Uninvisible is a support podcast that provides information, ideas, suggestions, and experiences that deal squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice of any kind. We do provide support, concepts, ideas, discussions, and information you can use to make sure that you are being heard and that your concerns are being addressed. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing, but we will be here for you along your journey. We welcome all comments about our episodes and, of course, the correction of any errors. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our Terms of Service and Privacy Policy, which are available on our website, located at www.uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Most of all, we welcome your stories and experiences to share with our community, because without you, this community and the benefit it offers all of us would not exist. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Of course, in the event that you are having a medical emergency of any kind, consult your physician or emergency services. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman, and I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. All right, guys. Dive in. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. This is our first podcast. Yeah, guys, so I'm here with Em and Kate from To Being Healthy, and they are sisters who are based in Southern California, and they live with multiple invisible illnesses, which I'm going to have them tell us all about, but um, these are um, some contacts who I actually made because of Instagram, guys. So it's I love social media. (laughs) Social media is incredible. So I'm so glad to have you on the show. And thanks so much for joining us, ladies. Thank you you for having us. Yes. So um, I'm not sure which of you would prefer to uh, start us with your journey. (laughs) I can start. Um, All right. And go ahead and tell us what invisible illnesses you live with and um, how you first found out you had them. So... Kate and I actually have very similar illnesses. So we both have lupus, postural orthostatic tachycardic syndrome, or POTS as it's known, Ehlers-Danlos, and mast cell activation disorder. And then I have um, a muscle uh, myositis on top of that. But other than that, we're pretty identical in what we have. Mm-hmm. So you guys have been able to be each other's support. Completely. Yes. Completely. A thousand percent. Yes. So tell us a little bit about these conditions. Um, and Kate, do you want to jump in and tell us what you have as well? Yeah. So I have the same, the the nice thing is Emily was diagnosed with the lupus kind of more autoimmune first. So I was able to identify my symptoms Then I was diagnosed with POTS first. And then um, I was like, this is similar to what I have. Yes. And then- so we kind of mirrored each other that she had the autoimmune lupus thing. Mm-hmm. I realized I was very similar, uh, fatigue, the joint aches. Um, yeah. And this was around the same time. We were both around 17. Um, Emily's a couple years older. So I was kind of watching her go through this. And then I realized I had very similar issues. Then a little bit later, I get the POTS uh, mm-hmm. symptoms coming alongside with the autoimmune. And then Emily kind of realizes, oh, I'm getting this as well. And then she got diagnosed. So I got diagnosed at Mm -hmm. 17 with lupus after kind of months and months of 
inconsistently being sick and then feeling kind of okay and then just getting really sick again with something I knew wasn't a typical flu or cold. It was just really severe nausea, kind of confined to my bed. And But then it would kind of last a couple of days, it would get better, and then I'd be out again. And then one day it just hit and then it did not get better. And that's when mm-hmm. we were kind of on the hunt for doctors. For lupus in particular, people have mm-hmm. really like kind of flu-like symptoms. Right? Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it just kind of felt like a flu that it didn't get better. It was that horrible flu feeling when you're like, oh God, I'm dying. And you know you're not. You just, you mm-hmm. can't really say what's wrong. You just feel so sick. Yeah. Um, but it's without any fever, without any like congestion, without any clear, you know, cold or flu-like typical symptom, no chill. So I knew it, and it was lasting so long. So I knew it wasn't the typical virus that gets better. And then um, once it hit and then I was in bed, then we were, okay, like we need to figure out mm-hmm. what actually is happening. We need to find a doctor that we can turn to and um, figure out this puzzle. And from there, then Kate was diagnosed a little later with autoimmune, yeah. And then yeah. she got the POTS and I had a very similar. So POTS is um, very low blood pressure your blood doesn't circulate well. So it pools to the bottom half of your body when you stand. Mm. So a lot of times people will stand up and faint, blackout, Mm -hmm. or have a really hard time being upright. Yeah. So that's what I had too. I had the super bad tachycardia, which also for me, I got really bad. And Emily doesn't have as much bad stomach issues, uh, gastro issues. So I was um, throwing up as well. Yeah. And I was throwing up a lot. Emily remembers that we'd be going out, I'd stand up, anything have to throw I, up. Emily's phobic of that. So that yeah, was I remember being at the mall yeah. and just suddenly I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sick. And I was, I would be in a panic. Cause I'm like, what is happening? Like yeah. and then it, would so be better. it hit my stomach more and Emily has kind of muscle. So we have very identical and then little offshoots are yeah. a little bit different, of course, and different medications work for her that don't work for me. So it's just been a learning process to yeah. see what works for Emily, what works for me. And then Treatment-wise, too, and therapies, everything. Because yeah, we're on so. pretty different medications for having mm-hmm. pretty similar Yes, which is conditions. exactly. Yeah. We oh, just respond right. differently. Well, mm-hmm. but also these conditions, uh, for the most part, appear to also be um, very much genetic, right? So oh, yeah. very much. Inherited the genes for the conditions that you have. So it makes sense that you guys both have these illnesses. Exactly. It's very interesting that you're using different treatments. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about the treatments that you're um, using for your, your illnesses as well? Sure. So I think most people with autoimmune will know that the medication side of thing is a journey that just doesn't really stop. It's a never ending adjusting to this pill. Okay. I'm adjusted. Now this one's not really working. Now we need to switch and go to this pill. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really stay. I mean, basically every time we're in the doctors, we're updating the medical chart about what pills we're now on because it just kind of shifts exactly so frequently. Yeah. But the kind of standard ones since being diagnosed is an autoimmune suppressant to just kind of calm down the autoimmune side of things. And then antibodies to get the antibodies. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's been a constant, but everything else honestly shifts so much. Mm-hmm. And because of so much of what you guys are experiencing manifests physically in ways that there are lots of different treatments, right? For managing. Yes, completely. Yeah. Great about your blog is that you guys are sharing 
everything that you're doing in your treatment. So whether it's something like massage or heat therapy or, you know, anything like that for muscular issues. Mm-hmm. So yes, we wanted to try to kind of showcase, okay, we're trying this. This might not work. We're not yes. swearing by it. We yeah. will tell you if it works for us, but and, yeah. And something might work for Em that doesn't work for me. I mean, yeah. she's been on, I, uh, I have a cytochrome mutation. Emily does too. So we got that tested uh, because I was having such bad reactions to medications and constantly in and out of the ER emergency room. Wow. So that's been something too that we have our cytochromes tested by our cardiologist recommended doing that really easy. So yeah, I would recommend yeah. anyone who is dealing with um, extreme reactions to medication to ask to get their cytochromes tested because it will show there's some pills that it's... Um, you metabolize differently. And you mm-hmm. might have the effect as if you're taking five of them, just how you break it down. Or you take one and you might get a fourth of the strength. Exactly. So it's been very helpful mm-hmm. um, to get that tested. So I would recommend anyone who has a little inconsistency with pills and yes. strong reactions just to test that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe that and MTHFR. I don't know if you guys been tested for that as well, but that's one of those genetic mutations where unless certain things that you take are methylated, you won't. Mm. Yes. And a lot yeah. of us can have autoimmune issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we talked a little bit about the lupus and the POTS. Tell us also mm-hmm. about mast cell and everything else that you've got. Gosh. Yeah. So that came for me, um, that kind of snowballed with the whole POTS thing with the mast cell, EBS, everything. Um, and then same kind of as everything else progressed, Emily was like, yes, red flag. I have this. I have this. I have this. So, But tell how you were diagnosed with mast cell. Yeah. So the mast cell was actually, reactions. I was. My, uh, I found an amazing cardiologist who specializes in POTS. Um, and he was seeing so many of his patients kind of experiencing these reactions, um, flush cheeks, itching. I got rashes. And I was getting so sensitive to... I, I couldn't find a pattern. I knew something I was trying, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free, but then I'd be fine with certain dairies and I couldn't find an exact pinpoint pattern. Um, and it was just, I mean, complete flushing, itching, and kind of this like out of my body crawling experience. And I'd eat something, my throat would kind of tighten up, burn. So it was just really confusing time in my life. I feel like, and I was getting so almost anxious with it. Just, I felt like I was almost like, am I making it up? Like, do I feel like the OCD just heightened so tremendously for me that I was true with any of these illnesses. Yes. That you guys have got not just the one or two. Yes. It's like you want and the you lottery. Exactly. And they feel like they're all kind of overlap that you don't really know what's yeah. causing what. So my uh, cardiologist had brought up mast cell. I've never heard of it before. He introduced me to a patient um, and she came into one of my appointments and kind of mapped out what mast cell meant for her, um, how she started a low histamine diet, which kind of just eliminated, I felt like 99% of everything. It eliminates all, if you look at a low histamine diet, it's very intimidating Mm -hmm. because it is basically everything. Everything that we love eating. Spices, coffee. Yes. So it's a lot. Yeah. At a point too. Tell us a bit about mast cell and and what it looks like and how it behaves. So it reacts differently for different people. Some it's like everything. Um, some foods I am okay with, um, some foods that Emily reacts. Well, you, everyone has histamine in their body. Just, we produce more. We have a higher histamine level in our body right now. So and don't break it down as easily. Yeah. You don't break it down as easily. So the biggest thing was diet instantly. I mean, 
I took that list. I went home. Um, luckily, my mom was able to help because it's overwhelming. Even reading online, different websites are saying this food's okay, this food's not okay. So it's kind of amazing. Hugely guess and check to see what works for you. So I I kind of went with instead of looking what you can't eat, look what I can't eat. Just a very simple list of basically like rice. I mean, really simple in the beginning. Mm. And did that for about a month. And within two days, I felt such a difference. It was in insanely yeah. overwhelming like wow this my body just felt like it just calmed down because I remember um, yeah. we were out and you just got a simple green juice but it had spinach in and spinach is a really high mm-hmm. super high histamine and you were like my throat feels like it's closing up and burning exactly and that was like a we were like it, what is going on because it's a I, green juice yeah and I used to eat that all the time you know it's stuff that I had eaten I didn't have issues with and all of a sudden because of my histamine levels were up and, and you think it's healthy you think you're eating very healthy exactly food having so, horrible reactions cutting the low histamine just without medication we did add medications um chromalin is one that people take they take an h1 and h2 blocker um so that will be like a zyrtec antihistamine it's just simple things like that such a difference for me and then emily found out that she also had messed out my mom she it's all you know genetic she also realized wow i've been having these symptoms since i was in my 20s she went on low histamine and found the biggest difference so it's it was such a simple thing to do and now we, you know, we, we realize now like, okay, this isn't the best, but we kind of splurge and break from that. And we know if we're going to have a little reaction. Exactly. So if I have flushing or if I have a little bit of rash, I know what it's from. I know how to bring that histamine level lower. Um, and they explained but, it. But that. we know why. And that's yes. the nicest thing. You know why, okay, it's some dairies I can't have and some nuts I can't have, but it's not the whole food group. And that was the confusing thing because I knew some things I could have, some things I couldn't have. And, and the it's way so random that you feel like you're almost yeah lost, it's completely lost. So, and the thing they explained that was really helpful because it's so overwhelming in the beginning is picture it like a cup, mm-hmm. and you're never going to have no histamine because you get it from the sun, you get it from working out. It's basically in every food we eat. Um, but as long as the cup is not overflowing, you should be okay. So. That has helped a lot kind of mm-hmm. be like, okay, we can have some. It's just as long as we're not having excess amounts, yes. we're not going to experience those really rough symptoms. Exactly. And it sounds also like because you can really manage the mast cell activation disorder with diet mainly, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, uh, with perhaps the exception of using some of those histamine blockers as you know, yes. mm-hmm. because you can really control it with diet. It sounds like that makes it also in a way more manageable, medically speaking, right? Because you've got oh, yeah. completely, focus completely. On. Anytime you can deal with something without doing extreme measures and without medication is great. Yeah. And we were much more extreme in the beginning and slowly would oh, introduce, yeah. you know, food in a food into that small group one at a time. So you, you're not overwhelming your histamine system and you kind of are realizing, like, okay, I can do, you know, I'm fine with all nuts, but I'm not good with cashews and certain other things like that. And Emily well, might be. Yeah. So. And when we were, okay. I remember when we were mm-hmm. initially diagnosed, you wouldn't eat out at any restaurant. Yeah. I kind of just had this like almost, you know, anxiety because I had had so many bad reactions and so many times like emergency room trips that you just don't trust. Yeah, I didn't trust. You're not making exactly. So I just got really paranoid, and now I, I've let that go a little bit. And I, you know, yeah. I, I know my limitations, but it's hard to kind of slowly break that wall down once yeah. you're living in this kind of fearful state. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. what's great is that you guys have always had each other, and it sounds yes. like mom too. Yeah, she's had so. I mean, I think just through us going through this journey, she's realized so many 
similarities that she's had um, when she was younger and they, you know, POTS wasn't diagnosed even then. And they, you know, they put her on anxiety medicine, which so many people with POTS are misdiagnosed. Misdiagnosed. So because your heart goes fast. Yeah. And she happened just to, through trial and error, be on medications that we're on now and to treat, you know, what we now know is a slight version of POTS and autoimmune issues. So definitely genetic for our family, especially. And I mean, Mm -hmm. also, because you guys have so many of these disorders sort of like that have piled up, right? Yeah. Are you coming across other patients who have a similar history where there's not one, not two, not, you know, like where you... Oh, yeah. I think just even since starting um, the blog and the Instagram and saying, you know, what we have, there's so many people, if they have POTS, then they also have EDS, Ehlers-Danlos. They also have mast cell. Yeah. Some sort of autoimmune thing going yeah, on stomach they, issues I mean I get I get chronic migraine so I get that treated as well so it's all connected I mean it's all yeah it's all within that bubble and most people if you look at the percentages have variations of you know it's not just pots usually it's pots. yeah if you have pots most likely I don't want to say most likely but there's a huge percentage yeah. you have Ehlers-Danlos and you have mast cell and um yet we are very lucky to have our cardiologist who's such a specialist in POTS because otherwise we never would have known what mast cell was and we would have kept yeah. trying to eat quote unquote healthy foods and kept making it work. Exactly. So if you have POTS and no one's mentioned mast cell to you, check it out. Yeah. yeah. It's been yeah. a huge game changer. Mm-hmm. And tell us also about the ehlers downloads and how you got that uh, diagnosed as well. So um, we're both extremely, or you're not so much, but I'm super, super flexible and things would, and I was really into yoga and things Mm -hmm. were kind of popping out all the time. Yeah. And same for Kate. She would just, it wasn't really unusual to us to be like, oh, my shoulder popped out. And not, not just, uh, you know, in the teenage years, but growing up, we were constantly, we were also cast. We'd be at the beach just on sand, twist our ankles. I mean, out of, and we played sports, Emily more than me. Um, but we were constantly just in cast and we thought it was normal. And then, Mm -hmm you know, our rheumatologist, you know, bend us around and hears popping constantly. Mm. Realize, okay, this is not in our history. I think I was even, I had a dislocated hip when I was born. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I mean, and, you know, I remember my mom would tell me, oh, we're, you know, she's holding my hand crossing the street, and my elbow would dislocate. So we've always had these signs of it. It just yeah. kind of a normal, a normalcy. And then um, we know now, Emily says yoga, so we, we don't do yoga, but we'll do math. Yeah, I had to give up yoga. And um, we used to, be taped to like stay in place a little bit. So just things like that. And, you know, hindsight is 2020. It's like, oh, obviously there's some kind of connective tissue going on. Mm -hmm. So so how do you manage physical activity now? You said that you don't do yoga anymore, but are there like strength training exercises or like things like Pilates that you can do safely? Yes. So Matt Pilates is, that's one of my favorite uh, forms of exercise. And we know now our limitations. Like I know if I extend, except for my left shoulder, certain angles, it's going to pop out. It's going to hyper, you know, flex out. So Matt Pilates is great. The thing with POTS too, they want you to do strength training. They want you to exercise. So um, we do, you know, recumbent bike or light exercises and things that will hold our muscles, our, you know, smaller muscles into place. Um, I have it, especially with my shoulders. So little things that strengthen it. So my muscles will kind of keep it tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with our hips and knees as well. So we do definitely exercise. It's just modifications that work for us. And the thing with POTS is, so your blood vessels aren't constricting properly to push the blood back up into your body. So the exercise is to kind of train your body and train your blood vessels to send the blood up where it needs to go. But 
they also stress that you need to start by exercising a minute a day and then go to two minutes and then go to three Very minutes. Very slowly. Mm-hmm. It's typical with POTS that you feel, oh, I feel so good today. I'm going to go work out for 45 minutes and push myself. And then for the next five days, you can't get up out of bed. Mm-hmm. So even if you feel great, only increase by a minute at a time and then just kind of try to keep that consistency and try to train your body how to circulate the blood. Yeah. So, so there, it sounds mm-hmm. like ultimately, and you guys are all cool with it now, but you've had to make mm-hmm. some huge adjustments oh, in yeah. how you live your lives day to day. Yes. And in, in terms of those adjustments and the emotional impact that it had on you guys, like, have you found that you've been like, all right, that's it. I'm going to therapy or having each other lean on like, what's been coping mechanisms through all of that? So I just, yeah, actually, I just recently started therapy because even though I've had this for, you know, 10 plus years, it's difficult every day. And especially Mm -hmm. since you can't help but kind of compare to what your peers are doing. So you know, logically, okay, this is a different journey than everyone else. I have all these struggles that maybe this person my age wouldn't have. It's, it's difficult. And I, I'm a therapy advocate anyway. I think everyone mm-hmm. should go and talk and it's a great release. We're taking care of our body. We need to take care of, you know, our mind as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, no one's going to go through a thing that affects their health for so long, so significantly and not deal with a you know tremendous amount of emotional yeah stuff with it. But yeah, I, I completely like everything else that we've had, it, it fluctuates, you know, you get through states of, you're feeling really good. And then a setback, you know, even like a flu will set us back and you kind of got like, Oh, discouraged. Yeah. And okay, now this is going to, you know, I've got to start five steps back to where I was and slowly build up again. So I, yeah, you know, I, it gets that exhausting kind of thing over again, but we have each other, which has been amazing support. And I will say, um, even though it's difficult emotionally going through this, the hardest time for sure was before I was diagnosed or before we were diagnosed with this extra condition because that, so I feel for anyone who is not diagnosed right now, but going through a bunch of symptoms and they know something's wrong Mm -hmm. because once you're have a diagnosis, okay, I'm on a path. I have a plan. I know these symptoms fit with this title, having symptoms that are wrecking havoc on your life and not having a title, not having trail to follow is that was emotionally the most difficult because you're so lost. You're so overwhelmed. You feel this pressure to kind of find out what's wrong with you when it's not on you. It's on a doctor. It's just, that's, that's the hard. You talked about comparing your activity levels and sort of lifestyles to other people's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's also that grieving process you have to go through where you have to let go of like what you thought your body could do. Yes. Completely. What your body can do, which, which in some ways it opens up new, new pathways, right? Because of the changes that you have to take into account. Yeah, completely. I think it was much more, um, something, you know, during like college years that that I thought about much more like, Oh, why can't I go and party all night and do this? And now it's much more, okay. I, I feel like I will look at those around me and be like, I have no idea what their journey is. You can't really tell. And I, put that into practice a lot more than when I'm younger and I look at someone and go, Oh, they can do all this. They're fine. And you just, now you realize, well, they probably looked at me and thought a very similar thing and that wasn't accurate at all. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that's just kind of come with time that. That removal of judgment. Completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
which is a great place to be, right? I think there are monks who spend years trying to... Completely. And, you know, even in that college, like period when high school, you know, we were both diagnosed around 17. We were so much more private about our health. Oh, tremendously. I didn't want anyone to, you know, no. see me as weaker or see me. To, I didn't tell anyone and I, you know, cancel stuff all the time. So you get that kind of yes. emotional thing that you're flaking all the time and that so, builds up anxiety. And, you know, we always were, obviously, Emily and I were very transparent with each other and our family and we had a great support system with that. But it, it becomes very isolating when you don't tell everyone and you're not open about it. It's, it's, it feels very double life-ish completely. if you don't kind of accept, okay, this is what's going on with me. I'm just going to own it and not care. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, there was so much more secrecy, not because we were ashamed of it. It was just kind of, I don't know why it was like, okay, this is our struggle. We'll deal with this. And then we'll be okay yeah. out in the world. And we have to be out in the world. Yeah. Um, my really good friends know, knew Katie, Kate's really good friends knew, but beyond that, it was never something I would casually just talk Ever about. bring up. Yeah people out, yeah, outside of that circle. So it was very double life-ish. It is. Yeah. Only very recently we were like, okay, this yeah. is what's this happening. Is our life Let's share our knowledge, it. what we've learned. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I do find that, you know, in this chronic illness, invisible illness community, mm-hmm. there is that stigma, that shame that's attached to mm-hmm you know, finding out that you have these illnesses, which of course is alleviated somewhat when you have a name for them, right? Like when you completely, yes. yeah. but people do tend to, at least in the first few years as they're adjusting to it, have mm-hmm. a, a period of time in which they are sort of, yeah, living that double life and only yes. their inner circle and not telling sort of, you know, necessarily telling teachers or, or, you know, people completely. Well, I think it's still hard for people to you know, understand. And if something is chronic, a lot of the time, you know, you tell someone, oh, so-and-so, I can't do this right now. And then if there's plans Mm -hmm. six months later and I can't do this for whatever reason, it's often like, oh, you're still going through that? Yeah. yeah, And the fact that it's invisible illness, I think kind of creates this whole other aspect that we look normal. You wouldn't suspect, you know, or you could do this yesterday. Why can't you do this today? Completely. And I, this this mm -hmm. morning, yeah. And it's hard for people. And that, you know, it took a while even for people really close to us um, to understand, you know, exactly how it fluctuates that I am maybe in the morning able to do something, but the afternoon I can't, or the next day might be completely different. So it's really, it's a hard thing to fully understand the complexity and all the layers of everything that we have. And, and it's something, yeah, that we yeah. fully adjusted to, you know, so it's and hard for an outsider. To, we still have to work at really being clear with communications. And if we're getting frustrated with, you know, someone we're dating or the, I used to kind of clam up if they didn't respond perfectly to it and be like, Oh my gosh, they just yeah. don't get it. They won't understand. They'll never get it. Mm-hmm. And Kate's been really good at being like, okay, no, just sit them down and talk to them and explain or yeah. show them this article. Yeah. Because a lot of the time they just don't know, or they don't get it. And they haven't yeah. been close to someone who had had something similar to this. So you know, it's definitely pushed our communication skills by having to be very patient, vocal. Mm-hmm. vocal, express, you know, yes, I could do this this morning, but often in POTS, you're riding a good wave and then it gets really bad unexpectedly. I wish I knew why I don't, but ah, yeah, so that's, that's, yeah. I, mean, I, I was going to say that's like every, right. And it's mm-hmm. interesting because as your communication style has developed, then you've turned it into this platform, which you created with the blog. 
Um, and I'm wondering, because, you know, we're talking about like how we balance our energies and, um, you know, all the communication that you're doing about um, being advocates really in this invisible illness space. Um, how are you balancing the demands of work and life with these so and, and having to be aware of? Luckily, um, so we're doing this together and we both kind of understand that we'll have set hours that, okay, we're going to work this mm-hmm. morning from nine to one and then break. And then so much of the time we're talking to each other and being like, okay, I just, I can't, I have a migraine. I feel so, yeah. I can't talk. I feel too sick. I can't. Yeah. Or, you know, I couldn't sleep last night because of the pain. Yeah. And, and it's, never, the, mm-hmm. it's never an issue because, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. You no, know, feel better. Talk. Yeah. You know. She's living it. I'm living it. So that's the nice thing about it. That she's not, she's going to understand more than anyone. Yeah. That sometimes where you've had to also like justify the illness to other people outside of oh yeah circle of people like employers or or even you know anyone that you're interacting with socially well, we were just talking about um so one of the thing is we have a handicap pass because mm-hmm. although we don't need it to use it tons now in the beginning when we were trying to figure out POTS medication I mean Kate was in a wheelchair yeah. around Target like mm-hmm. she couldn't stand and she looks completely healthy but she couldn't there'd be times where we'd be sitting in the car and couldn't walk inside yeah. Target we'd have so, to go home. That especially, I've had people yell at, I mean, literally yell at me for using it, um, yeah. calling me a fake. I'd be with my mom and, and she'd crazy. have anxiety about using yeah, the handicap pass. So we, because mm-hmm. we just, you know, people will literally get mad at you. They see two young, healthy looking people and call you out. Yeah. So you definitely have to learn to we generally think that the handicap pass, like I, I think the general understanding of it has been, it's either someone who is like in a wheelchair. Yeah. It's someone who is elderly, right? Like that's completely, what that's what you think. Mm-hmm. A relatively young and quote unquote healthy looking person. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, it's amazing because it feeds back into what you guys were saying about how you've had to, uh, this experience has changed your perspective. Yeah, completely. And, you know, even, even through college and, you know, professors and, you know, us having, we were talking about this too, just, we went to the same university um, and just having some classes, taking an elevator, which would be you know, two flights of stairs or maybe three, which would seem like nothing for the average person. And then that, that would get our heart rate skyrocket. We'd have to sit down. So we've had professors, you know, oh, people think, oh, you're being lazy taking the elevator this morning. And yeah. It's, it's just that type of thing that, you know, sometimes we have to stop and be like, we're not going to judge, you know, because it's, it's an automatic response sometimes to see someone and make a judgment. So it really holds us accountable being like, we don't know what anyone's really going through because we're going through so much that people don't really realize. So, you know, sweet about it. You, you've never like clapped back at someone and been like, you don't know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not you know, confrontational I, at all. That's like my, I'm just the least confrontational person. Yeah. It's a lot tougher than me. And things when it's about with the, you know, handicap path, it's usually people who are making these, it's kind of always kind of takes me aback that I don't say anything. Um, I've been with my mom and she, I feel like is on full mama bear mode. I'm like, it's yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> spring into action. Yeah. But you know, if it's something, if it's something you can explain to someone, Oh, this is what we have and teach them. I'm all about that. Um, I've had that before and I took a train. I was in the disability section, so I didn't, you know, have to climb the stairs and take my suitcase up and you know, I got so many comments, oh, this is for, you know, elderly, or this is for disability. And I, oh, I do have a disability, you know, I wear a medical bracelet, I explain what I have. And if it's something like that, that's great. But someone that's yelling, you know, and calling me a fake, 
it's hard to, it's hard to get through to people like that sometimes. And it's frustrating, but it's just kind of the reality. Completely. I remember when I was, um, the first time I was getting better from kind of months and months of not being able to really leave my bed. And it was a huge deal to go out to get coffee or to go to the grocery store. Those were kind of like my Mm -hmm. outings, but it'd be very difficult at that time. And I remember standing in line and and not even really being able to talk to the cashier. I was so nauseous. I was just trying to get through that. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I must seem so stuck up and so kind of just over it and rude. And then I just made like a mental note that I'm going to try not to judge people because I seem fine. He might, he must think I'm just the most kind of obnoxious person, but on the inside, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. I just want to get out of here. Mm -hmm. I also wonder, and I I bring this up a lot in my interviews, if there, if you think there's a gender divide there too, in terms of reaction to judgment, because, you know, um, I I wonder if, if, you know, the idea of confrontation might be different if Mm -hmm. you're male, you know, or um, if, socially you were viewed a different way? Like, do you think that you would be more, um, more quick to tell people to back off if, um, you know, like that, that feeling of like, mm-hmm. yeah. for the judgment and like turning it into a teaching moment. Do you yeah. think it would be different if you guys were dudes? I mean, probably. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like probably. I, I mean, I'll be out with my boyfriend. He's like, just wait. If someone says anything, he's like, I, I'm just going to say, I'm like, it's, yeah. it's just not a different personality. It could just be personality that I just am not one to like, you know, go at, at, at someone like that um, verbally. But I, I think it probably is gender related that we kind of have this like more apologetic, like, okay, it's this situation. And yeah, we're kind of making up for our, uh, you know, what we feel is something that's a, you know, maybe burden that we're cutting out there. The idea of the burden. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, exactly. I feel like that's also something that like we're socialized as women, right? Completely. Mm-hmm. We're always taught to sublimate pain. Yes. Periods and things. Mm-hmm. Like Com- yeah. So sublimating pain and discomfort, but then also putting other people's comfort first. Yeah. I would always, um, if, you know, my close friends around me knew through my mannerisms that I was not feeling well, I would always kind of follow it with like, Oh, but I'm fine. Like, don't worry about me completely. Just because if they were fine, if no one was worrying about me, then it's like, okay, I can deal with not feeling well. I didn't like anyone else around me. Don't Mm -hmm. cancel plans. I hated anyone changing their plans around me. So yeah, it's definitely something you, uh, we worry about just kind of Mm -hmm. affecting the people around us because we don't want to seem like a burden or anything, but in reality, if it was one of our friends going through it, we would never speak twice about that. We would be like, don't be ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, speaking of your relationships, especially in the beginning when you guys were first dealing with your symptoms and trying yeah. to see what was going on, um, and even taking you know the responsibility of your healing onto yourselves, how did that affect your relationships? Did you lose friendships? Um, and yeah, so in the beginning, I think I. I we probably both weren't as good about communicating. Mm -hmm. So it was initially like if someone didn't react to it exactly what I wanted, I would be like, okay, they just don't get it. And, or if they didn't reach out, I would, instead of kind of explaining, okay, this is the picture. I'm not being flaky. I'm not being Mm -hmm. social. Just, this is my life right now. Yeah. Um, So I think with time, I'm much better about being a little more transparent. But at the time when I was first diagnosed, I had a boyfriend and then as soon as I kind of found out what was going on, I instantly tried to just end it and being like, okay, this is way too much baggage. I can't deal with anything else besides my own health. Mm -hmm. 
and even though I didn't necessarily want to end the relationship, it wasn't anything he was doing. I just kind of buckled down and couldn't deal with anything outside. I felt so overwhelmed with health that I had nothing to kind of give the other person in terms of attention or worry about them because yeah. I was so focused on myself. And, you know, it's, it's so much of a learning curve because with now, now I, you know, it's so great to have outlets and have people who can help with the burden rather than seeing it as like a negative thing you're bringing on someone. This episode is sponsored by Ember Wave, the intelligent bracelet that helps control how you experience temperature. I'm heat sensitive because of my Hashimoto's and medications, and this device has been a lifesaver. Using patented technology, it cools or warms the temperature-sensitive skin on your wrist, creating a natural response in your body and mind that helps you thermally adjust in minutes. The Wave was selected by Time Magazine as one of 2018's best inventions. But because the technology is new, it can be pricey. So for those of you with mounting medical costs to consider, the team at Ember offer a payment plan in partnership with a firm. And because you also listen to Uninvisible, they're offering you $30 off. Go to emberlabs.com, that's E-M-B-R labs.com, enter code INVISIBLE at checkout, and experience personal thermal wellness on a whole new level with me. Yeah, yeah. We've and, the, and with relationships, it's, we kind of react a little bit differently. Um, yeah, we've been lucky that we do have a good base of friends, but there's definitely been more of those superficial relationships that you know we have to cancel and things, and they're like, "Oh, you're just flaky." Oh, yeah. They don't they don't want to take the time to, and that's and we don't need that in our lives. You know, it's that type of thing where you kind of when you're younger, you think you you need you yeah. know all these friends, all the friends, all the stuff. And then then you kind of realize it's more the quality of the people that you surround yourself with. Um, It's not us being flaky and it's not our fault. I would say just, you know, you have something chronic. If you're dealing with that, even though it's painful and kind of a weird, awkward struggle to cleanse yourself of these relationships, it's Mm -hmm. better in the long run because stress affects you so much. Stress affects our health. It makes our conditions worse. So having stress of people who don't understand or who are going to make you feel added guilt, mm-hmm. we put guilt on ourselves if we can't do anything. We, we don't take it lightly. Mm-hmm. I used to not make plans for years because I had, I hated just being seen as yeah. a flaky one. Yeah. Or that so anxiety I, of like coming yeah. up. Plans coming I would up. never, yes, completely. I would get so anxious with, if I had set plans because I didn't know how I'd feel that day. I was fine making plans the day of, but I'd have to cancel such a large amount of the time that I just hated, you know, I didn't want to buy concert tickets. I didn't want to plan anything that I was like, because I thought, okay, it'd be money down the drain. Most likely I couldn't show up to it. So So those friends that we have lost and we have, um, it's just kind of a growing, a growing phase. I mean, people that kind of happens, I feel like from your teens to your like adult, mid adult twenties, it happens anyway. This has been a little bit more like black and white for these reasons. But now we're left with people who yeah. are family, you know, who are exactly. so close to us that can lay with us in bed if we don't feel good and yeah. just watch a movie with exactly. us. Worth more than all the, you know, superficial mm-hmm. friends in the world. So, and do you think that's also accelerated your maturing process too? Like, in because well, yeah, I mean, probably when I was younger, I remember feeling like, okay, I feel like I'm like 80, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just... <laughs> it, it does. And it sounds cliche, but like, you really appreciate like the, you know, our normal days. We say, oh yeah. Like, when, it, when it's just like a little calm, you're like, oh my gosh, like it's really, uh, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah you really <laughs> do appreciate it. Yeah. You really do appreciate all these smaller things that maybe, you know, 
normal people, we see people are maybe more, you know, materialistic with certain things or superficial with other things. What's important to them? Our importance is like just everything's about health. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have that as our, you know, forefront in our mind, it really does, I think, mature you quicker and give you. Because we definitely don't take health on life. Yeah. Our outlooks change. So, and that's a good thing. And I, I was wondering as well, because you mentioned before we started the interview that you've got a brother and in terms mm-hmm. of your siblings and the rest of your family, are they affected by any of these illnesses as well? Or have you guys just been the lucky ones? <laughs> so our, we definitely got it from our mom's side of the family. They have, we didn't even know this until yeah. um, last summer, actually this past summer, yeah. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we managed to go to Belgium and meet some family um, from our mom's side. And who, yeah, second cousin, they, they have lupus. And they have all autoimmune things. Yeah, so we, that was amazing. It was, it was so it was cool. It was unfortunate that they have that, yeah, but, but it was a great cool connection. Of the mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, you know, just our mom having gone through much milder um versions of what we have, but but she sees her just that insight. Yeah, yeah. yeah but then, our brother doesn't have any of this stuff. It's just been affecting us, yeah. um, which I mean affects women majorly more yes. anyway. So there is that. But our dad and our brother haven't had anything, and our mom like Emily has said, does have a milder case of, you know, the lupus and the POTS and a little EDS in there too. Um, but it's definitely been a genetic thing that we've seen through her side and those generations. Um, even our grandmother and her her mother, she kind of recognizes, oh, maybe she did have POTS or maybe she did just things that she's been doing to help herself with just easier living. Yeah. And it kind of mirrors stuff that we've done for POTS as well. So it's really interesting to see she used to kind of wonder mm-hmm. just through her telling us stories now, but you know, mm-hmm. why am I so sensitive? Why am I so much sensitive, more sensitive than all of my friends to what I eat or doing this or exactly needing more downtime? Um, luckily, I, you know, that's very difficult to go through your whole life and not being taken seriously by doctors or getting a diagnosis. Yeah. So but she's had the opportunity to do that too. To get the diagnosis. Yeah. But like to get yes. diagnoses and to mm-hmm. get alongside. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, completely, completely. Yeah. It's just been. I mean, I. It's hard because we luckily were, you know, like M said diagnosed pretty relatively early and pretty yeah. quickly, considering that it takes, I think, like up to five years on average for POTS. And um, interestingly, though, it takes a lot quicker for guys to get diagnosed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a so couple years earlier. So. Yeah. So there definitely is something there. I think uh, women take the pain or take that burden differently. Yeah. But, uh, but I think that also makes you guys pioneers in what you're doing. Um, and I wanted to ask you, what was the inspiration mm-hmm. behind creating your blog and starting to talk more publicly about everything you guys were going through? You remember so, the time, yeah. I remember the night, actually. <laughs> we were laying too. in the same bed. Yeah, we, we, were. Were just, we were laying in your bed, in mm-hmm. Kate's bed. And we were just kind of, I mean, we can't work a nine to five because every day is so unpredictable. It's frustrating mm-hmm. because... We like being productive. We like, you know, feeling like we're doing something, but, um, you know, this is the hand we're dealt, so yeah, to speak. With our limitations. And and we also, yes, we feel like we, oh my gosh, we've been through so much, you know, in terms of trying different things, figuring out what works. We've had been really lucky and fortunate yeah. to have access to some. In just different hospitals. Emily's, yeah, Emily's gone to John Hopkins and I've gone to the Mayo Clinic for my, I mean, we, we've done so many different it's been years and years. Everything, so. yeah. It's been so long um, for both yeah. of us. Yeah, I mean, I, and we were just, I remember just discussing, you know, different procedures or different treatment stuff. And we just kind of made that snap yeah. decision that night mm-hmm. and been like, okay, let's, you know, 
we both have kind of interests that factor differently into the blog. Um, Mm -hmm. I like writing. Kate loves photography and editing and graphic design. It just kind of of worked in together. And we're, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're super, super close. We, it just felt extremely right to do Yeah, I kind of just clicked like, why haven't we done this sooner? Yeah. (laughs) It seems so obvious when we were talking about like, oh, this is perfect. We should do this. But with, um, a lot of people assume it's like, oh, you're, you're, um, advocates of this. You're so open. I can't stress how much this wasn't the case before we started this. Yeah. Even some of our good friends don't even kind of know what we're going through on a day-to-day basis because you put your best foot forward. When you leave, you try to be like, Oh, I'm fine. I feel great. Like, let me just carry on. And inside you could be like, yeah. oh my gosh, so this has been an amazing outlet also just yeah. to reach different people in this community and kind of be open and really transparent. Like this is how we're feeling today, but like, it's fine. Yeah. It just is what it is. Not the, we kind of, it's hard when you're, you don't want to be complaining, you know, to like, yeah, healthy it people is. were like, Oh, yeah. I, you say what you're feeling. It's just like, Oh, it, it is what it is. It's not, going to get worse tomorrow, might get worse tomorrow, but it's not, you know, a whole complaining type of situation. It's just, yeah, it's a fine line to explain what's happening, but not complain and not exactly. So this community, it's nice. You could just kind of state how it is that day or what we're doing and it's complete acceptance and understanding. And it's been so nice and just learning from, I mean, we've been able to meet some really cool people and companies and um, we both, before we started this truly had a passion for health and wellness. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I got diagnosed and after that, every new kind of treatment I'd be on, I'd just be researching tons. I'd be reading. I, I like a weird hobby of mine is researching products and supplements. And I just, oh, yeah, they're always telling me to tell stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always pushing things on Kate being like, okay, try this, do this. Mm-hmm. Like I love that aspect of things. Um, I'll talk about it with my friends all the time. Like what probiotic, what this, this is the new supplement we need. Yeah. So it just was a really natural transition to kind of do that now for more of a, of a work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hopefully. and as you say, like meeting more people, community mm-hmm. we're sort of coming out of the woodwork. It sounds yeah. like the action to your, your blog has been really great because you guys have been growing really beautifully. Yeah. It's been, um, it's been very lovely to see and just, mm-hmm. um, you've gotten such warm, reactions and such such thoughtful comments from complete strangers going through similar things and who or thank us for being transparent because it makes it a little more you know normal seeming so yeah I mean that that means everything to us because luckily we have each other but it's we don't really know anyone in our day-to-day life or and that's what I was going to say too who's going through similar things exactly have each other I I mean I'm sure I feel crazy a lot of the time yeah but it's so nice to you know write something or just saying like this is our flair for whatever it may be and yeah. having people like oh I do that all the time or yeah. I put my feet up in a store I have to sit because yeah. you kind of feel like really strange doing I, it yeah, a lot of it's times, isolating you know you kind of just get used to it but it's like okay people are staring this it's just what it is but I mean, you right? definitely get a thick skin and Absolutely. start caring way less what people think yeah but it's so I, nice to have an audience of like oh I do that all the time and that yeah. happens to me and it's just people are um so helpful in sharing, you know, this has worked for them or, oh, this is similar to what I've done. Have you heard of this? Yeah, um, it's been great. It's just an, it's just a great community to have. Um, everyone is so positive and everyone, yeah. you know, for the most part. I know we haven't had any mean comments. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And everyone wants to, you know, better themselves, obviously in yeah. this and looking for a great 
things that help and that openness and open-mindedness and just accepting community. It's been wonderful. And we don't never want to push anything on other people. We're just kind of want to say, okay, this is what we're trying. This is mm-hmm. what's working for us. This is what's not working for us. It's just, you and know, keeping it real. and it is really comforting to hear people go, oh yeah, I've been doing that. Oh yeah. yeah. I have a really hard time doing, doing yeah, this too. Exactly. This is your sense of community really, doesn't it? Oh, completely. Yeah. And also, I mean, seeing what people go through is inspiring to us as well. Everyone, I mean, to an extent is going through something and this community, you just don't know and everyone is so individual. That's the thing. Yeah. And even if someone's not going through, you know, a chronic illness with their body, they could be going through something mental. That's just horrible as well. It's just, you don't know, you know, everyone at some point is fighting a battle. If it's not right now, it's at a different time. Mm -hmm. But it's so... So it's really increased your empathy to... Yeah. I think we're both naturally pretty like empathetic people and very... We're... I'm always pretty much on the verge of tears and uh, and Kate is the same way. Like if, if we start saying something nice to one another, like we're oh <laughs> like it's happened we are. or a sad commercial or I'm so <laughs> close to tears now at, yeah. all, at all points. It is very I mean, true. It's pretty pathetic, but I mean, Not we're very, I, we're, I, I don't know. Boyfriends have told us differently. But <laughs> <laughs> well, then is there a reason that they're not okay. boyfriends now? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Take them to the curb. <laughs> basically been told um, that we cry more than anyone else that they know. But so I don't know. We're very emotional. We feel all the feels. Yeah. Been through. You do feel. Yes. What yes. That's what we say. We feel all the feelings. Not affected you emotionally is so much more than what your average person has to live through. You know what I mean? Well, so I used to feel. Yeah, I used to feel yeah. like kind of like oh, nothing affects me. Kind of like ice queen. I never cried, and I tell people that now, and they don't believe me because now, I mean. Every movie, I mean, just that being open with everything. Just mm-hmm. and you know, hearing people. St- Instagram makes me cry all the time just from a video of a dog or someone's story. I'm tearing up. I know. But, but you know, on another level, it's also like being that much more connected to your emotions Mm -hmm. and and being unashamed of letting them out. Yeah. Surely that's allowed you to cope um, much more easily and to work through yeah, I think completely. That these these illnesses have presented to you, you know, and and they so they've sort of allowed you to plumb your depths in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the nights it's been oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I I can't stop crying. I it's just horrendous. And then the next morning you're like, okay, actually, mm-hmm. I can deal with this now. Yeah, it's very therapeutic. You hit your breaking point. You cry. Yeah, it never really lasts more than a night or a day. And then you kind of it kind of hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it's also enabled you guys to maintain that positivity in yeah. what you're doing with the blog, right? Like where it's not just like, here are all the reasons why I'm sad right now, but it's here are all the reasons that I have hope. Well, I think mm-hmm. we both um, naturally kind of like to feel proactive and feel like we're doing something, even okay. if it's very minor. I think that's why I started getting super into researching products or su- mm-hmm. whatever supplements <laughs> Do something. because I'm like, yes. Okay. My health feels so out of my hands in so many ways. Mm-hmm. What can I do to feel like, okay, I'm contributing what I can. So it's empowering at the same time to feel like mm-hmm. you're doing something when you feel. Yeah. And, and that's, I think the difference between first getting diagnosed to where we are now is just the gut you're not really sure what to do in the beginning. It's just yeah. so overwhelming and there's, there's not a direction sometimes. And, you know, even yeah. if you have a doctor, it might not be the right direction of the doctor. And we've gone through all of that. The most soul crushing thing that through the whole chronic illness thing has been 
I think for both of us is when you have a bad doctor or you have someone who's not listening to you, not believing you, just not giving you correct information. It's, I know people will relate to this. It is the most, even if you don't feel well, it's like, I can deal with that if you have a good doctor on your side. And luckily we're at the point now where we have a great doctor who's worth, I mean, everything to us. All our doctors have been amazing, but it's also given us a voice. I feel like having those bad doctors to advocate for ourselves and, and now know to speak up, like, no, this isn't working or this isn't I mean, doctors have straight up told us, yeah, you did. Or like, you know, you need Pots isn't a thing. Oh, yes. A a doctor wanted to give her heart surgery. Yeah. Which pots. Yeah, Yeah. for pots. And luckily, luckily, um, this is in the beginning of my diagnosis, we didn't do it. And we went to the Mayo Clinic after, and they're like, that was what would have been the worst thing to do with pots. Yeah. Worse, we would have had a pacemaker and all this stuff. And it's just now I feel like being so open about it. And it's really given us, I feel like, a stronger voice to speak up for our own medical. Uh, journey yeah. and just the advocate for ourselves, which is so important. And yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest looking back from when we were 17 to now. I just assumed yeah. everything, you know, doctor said would be like, okay, you don't know better. Mm-hmm. You think, okay, what the doctor knows best, which is the case a lot of the time. Yeah, completely. So we're not saying it's not the case, but you know, when you're younger, you think, okay, I'm sick. You go to the doctor, they fix you to make you better. You trust them. Unfortunately, through trial and error or we've been referred to, you know, different, say we have a great rheumatologist and a great cardiologist, but maybe being referred to an endocrinologist, that's been horrible. So mm-hmm. our base doctors are really good, but we've definitely been, you know, outsourced a couple of times to doctors who have been horrible. And we'd leave, you know, our tears, tears streaming down our face, just mm-hmm. feeling so deflated, feeling so frustrated to the point of just tears. That's been a, a very low point, but through that you realize, okay, it's true. You have to be your own advocate. You have mm-hmm. to, you know, if you know something's wrong, then something's wrong. Yeah. You find your voice along that completely. Yeah. Now, in terms of, because you've been to so many different um, practitioners mm-hmm. and tried so many different therapies, have there been any therapies in particular for your various disorders that at this point you swear by? Like there are certain things that you would really recommend to other people who might be going through what you're going through? Um... Therapies, I mean, there's definitely certain products or tricks that we've picked up along the way. Mm-hmm. One thing that I found so beneficial and it drives Kate crazy, that's what I'm going to say, it's peppermint oil because she's very sensitive to smells. But it's, I'm very sensitive to smells. It's, and yeah. She, every time we're in a car, she's like, please don't with the peppermint oil. Please don't with the oils. But it helps her. So. But it helps my if I have my stomach or if I feel very like anxious, like I can't breathe or a headache or nausea, I... I swear by and push peppermint oil oh I I inhale it I put it on wherever I put on my stomach or I I um, take it internally like Mm -hmm. it's been the biggest help for me with nausea it's so yeah it's just been a little like um you know if you leave and you feel well if I leave the house and I feel ill it'll kind of increase my anxiety just because I don't like feeling ill being out there you know far away from home or a safe space and having little tools and weapons that make you feel like you can cope easier with you mm-hmm. is a has, is a bit beneficial to me. is very beneficial. So it's yeah. like having little tricks that help you that make you feel like okay, if I'm having a really bad attack, I have things in my corner. Yeah. It's just kind of having your like safety yeah. blanket of what works for you, and that mm-hmm. works for M. I've had other things. I always carry electrolyte like tablets with yeah. me. I'll carry salt with me. 
different yeah. medications if I'm having like a really bad flare. So it's just having your own little kind of toolbox that I don't leave the house without. She doesn't leave the house without. Yeah. Things I like really, that. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, also, as people who have um, been through the healthcare system, like in every way, shape, and form, and holistic yes. to medical to yes, have you guys come across roadblocks in dealing with them? Oh, yeah. And, you know, if if it's not working in some ways for us, are there ways that you see that we change things about the way things are going right now? I mean, insurance has been the biggest headache. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an mean, ongoing battle. Yeah. It just is every prescription that we get prescribed, it will be initially denied and they need a pre-approval by the yeah. doctor. Are there different tier levels? I mean, it's yeah, so you just have, I mean, we've spent days on hold trying mm-hmm. to talk to the right person with insurance, trying to get this pill covered that we're prescribed. It's just, I mean, unfortunately they put a lot of the time with insurance, we feel like they're trying to get us to give up. So we just say, okay, fine. We don't need it. We don't really have that option though, because we do. So we just have to push or dedicate time. I mean, it's been, sometimes it feels literally like a, like a part-time job just yeah, on yeah. hold with, I can only take certain manufacturers cause I'm sensitive and I have a cytochrome mutations or some things we need, uh, non-generic just for yeah. you know medical reasons. And it's just constant battle. So it's, it's frustrating and it's, yeah hair ripping out at times you you feel kind of like you want to bang your head against the wall because it's like yeah I mean the whole just the whole thing you'll have to you know if something's not covered and you need it they make the prescription so expensive so you end up spending so much money out of pocket and it's just yeah that's it's very unfortunate because you feel okay I'm going through all this health stuff my my battle shouldn't be trying to get the medicine I need it should be dealing with healing Mm -hmm. so it's I mean, it's incredibly frustrating that we're put in a situation that we have to spend a lot of our energy fighting for the pills we need to get better. But I mean, that's the situation. That's the reality of what mm-hmm. you know happens, unfortunately. And the pre-existing conditions, I guess. Now, at this point. oh, I mean, we've had this for so long. It's very pre-existing. Yeah. It's kind of comical seeming at this point that that could even be a roadblock to give us health insurance. Oh yeah, if if you ever. If there's ever an insurance where you don't need to have a condition to get on the insurance, I mean, we're screwed. You know, it's, what are we going to do? We both have a ton of medical stuff. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but it's like, you know, how are you using any kind? There's no kind of preventive care model ultimately is there for like... No, I mean, this isn't something we can, you know, eat really healthy and exercise and we'll be fine. This is... A genetic, you know, yeah, exactly. years that, yeah you know, it, it, we're in it, we can function, but it needs maintenance. We're going to have really bad spells. We're going to have better spells, but completely, no, completely. It's hard. And you know, when you do get those people on the phone that are like, okay, try this loophole and do this. It's like, Oh, those people. Oh, are like, I love your thoughts and, yeah. Yes. We praise them. Like, thank you yeah. for helping doing, us. Yeah. Doing the job. Finding someone who's helpful or putting you in the right direction. And we, you just feel like you want to bang your head against the wall when you mm-hmm. keep, it's like, feels like a wild goose chase at times just to try to get prescription you need yeah oh, yeah, yeah. We, we bitched about that plenty to, oh, <laughs> to a lot of the people closest to us yeah so I've been there and I'm one of those people as well like with health insurance mm-hmm. I, I got so exhausted just making the phone calls I had to like yeah. in my mom to help me do it because I was like oh I, oh we've done that our mom has been yeah, yeah. Oh, completely. It's a full-time job. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. she has done so many or stay on the phone with or do like joint calls yeah. today it's yeah. confusing yeah. and overwhelming and completely <laughs> yes now, um, I, we've covered a ton. 
Um, and I, I usually sort of wrap up the interviews with some top three lists. But I okay. wonder if there was anything else that you guys wanted to talk about that we didn't really talk about. Because we didn't go into detail about the other illnesses that you guys are living with aside from the stuff that sort of overlaps. So if there's anything that you guys mm -hmm. want to say about um, all of the other little details here and there, I'd love to hear anything you've got to share. Well, I would say, you know, it's yes, we have all these, these multiple conditions, but a lot of the time people will be like, oh, what do you feel from lupus? What do you feel from... It's sometimes you're, we don't know what's coming from what. Yeah. You just feel bad or you just feel in pain or you just feel sick to your stomach and you don't really know what the culprit is. And that's frustrating because... That's very true. And yeah. especially um, like I have like gastro issues. I have migraines. So I have chronic migraines. I get Botox injections for. Um, so a little different than M in some aspects, but if, I mean, if you look at the symptoms for, you know, lupus in pots, it's migraine it, or both, yeah. and it's fatigue and it's, it's stomach issues. So it's hard to know what it is. Sometimes at the appointments, I kind of like almost, I'm like, I don't know what's coming from what, if it's this, if it's that. Um, We're, we still try to figure out, you know, I, my good friends are like, it doesn't matter where it's coming from. It will pass or don't worry, you know, but I'm always, if something's wrong, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what caused this? Why am I feeling like this? It's just a constant puzzle. You don't know. Am I, am I just about to get really sick with something or am I just experiencing a symptom from this condition? Mm -hmm. Am I, do I have the flu or am I just having a flare day? You just, I mean, it's a constant balancing act. It is. Like we all say yeah. like a type rope thing and, or that little, you know, yes. level. You're on a, we always feel a type I feel like, and that's how I explain to people. It's like just getting it in that little specific level, you know, yeah. Is you do one thing too much, you fall off the tightrope. Yeah. Or you don't drink enough water, you're off the tightrope. It's exactly. just a huge balancing act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just those, as you say, those tiny adjustments. I mean, mm -hmm. that's good that you're also in that place where it is the tiny adjustments. Like it's yeah. not a huge overhaul that you have mm -hmm. to do. Age, yeah. Those tiny adjustments are almost harder. It's, you know, that, it is. It's it's, like, you can yeah. have a, I mean, POTS is so finicky and it, it is. It's like if it's too hot outside and you yeah. know, it's too cold. Such and tiny things. I didn't have enough salt. Oh, now yeah. I can't get out of bed. It's just yeah. like, you know, it's definitely not yeah. quote unquote carefree living. It's very no. careful. It's like our checklist now. So if M calls yeah. me and it's like, oh, you know, I'm dizzy. I'm like, okay, did you She's drink? always like, did you drink? Did yeah. you drink? Number one. I'm thing. not great about, she's so good about, she's always chugging water with electrolytes and I'm not great about that. So she's always pushing water on me. Yeah. Yeah. Hold each other accountable. Yeah. That's, that's so important mm -hmm. to have like an accountability buddy. Completely. Yeah. You guys not only have each other as that, but also as co-advocates and having found doctors yes. together. So like, I'm sure. Completely. I mean, I don't think I would have the confidence to be so open about it. And to, if I didn't have her by my side, I feel the same. We joke that we're each other's like hype women. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like, like, you're not a, yeah, I don't think I'd be able to just be like, Oh, this is what's wrong. This mm -hmm. is the surgery I'm having. This is the treatment. Yeah. If I didn't have her to be like, yeah, you got it. You know, yeah, it's just this same. confidence thing of having someone constantly in your corner that makes you feel like, Oh, I can share all this stuff. Yeah. I can see what works for me mm -hmm. with some validity. And someone um, like, really genuinely gets it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like one thing, like, uh, no, I wouldn't wish this on someone. Of course it's a struggle and it's been like difficult at times, but I feel so blessed in a weird yeah. way that she does have this and she does yeah. go through this with me. Um, yeah. and you know, she's my girl. So yeah. <laughs> well, and it strengthened your bond obviously as well. Oh, yeah. Completely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, in terms of these top three lists, ladies, yes, tell um, us. I'm wondering what your top three tip, but what your top three tips would be for someone who suspects they might be entering this invisible chronic illness world. <laughs> so I would say the 
the first thing for sure is to get a doctor that you trust emphatically that you feel is your advocate that he's going to push for you and listen Mm -hmm. to you just because you know our lowest of times have been with frustrations if a doctor's not listening to us or he's not hearing what we have to say or dismissing us in any way Mm -hmm. the such a light in our journey has been huge difference our our doctor and I can't I'll I have so much gratitude for this man who has Absolutely. helped us so much. So if you feel like you don't have a doctor who's listening to you, who's pushing every avenue, who's referring you, and that's another thing that I yeah. think about a doctor, if it's not really his subject or his specialty, he'll refer us to another doctor who yeah. that, you know, he can deal with that better. Kind of puts the ego yes, in the ego. thing, which I Yeah, which is mm-hmm. s- s- wonderful. So um, get a doctor who doesn't have an ego, who can say, okay, let me hear what you have to say. Let me hear your concerns. Yeah. Let me talk to other doctors, you know. And yeah. I, I think this kind of goes with it for like another tip. Um, and this is probably what Emma would say as well. If you're in the beginning kind of feeling lost, chart it down if it's your numbers. I mean, that's the number one thing we always, okay, do you have, what, what's your numbers been looking like? And it's so hard sometimes to recall, you know, what it's been like over a month or what it's been like over yeah. if you're on an appointment. Because it blurs together it and then you just kind of can't, together. you say, oh, I don't feel well. I don't know what. Yeah. And you know, some days you like. might feel so much better you know, and you might get that appointment where you're feeling, you know, you're having a good day. So you need to remember how it yeah. is during the bad slump. So I think just, you know, for us, we chart, we have charted our like blood pressure, our heart rate, our weight, if it fluctuates a lot, what, what we're diary. Yeah. so if you have kind of that status and can kind of be like, this is working, this isn't. And you're yeah. And, do- and doctors, you know, scientists, they like to see the info. They like to exactly. see. Exactly. And that's been so helpful. Even in the beginning yeah. when we were lost, it's, it's just nice even for you to see, okay, wow, I'm really dipping if I'm standing or I'm really having these episodes, yeah. you know, in the afternoon or my energies, you know, whatever it may be, or, you know, sleep schedules. There's so many things that could be helpful yeah. um, for a doctor to see and track like, okay, this is your progression. And that's been a big thing for us. And for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm charting stuff completely sometimes I'm just not cognizant you know like oh yeah you see patterns it's such a yeah. it's such oh, a great completely. way to see patterns that you don't yeah you might not be aware of so that's I think a huge okay so tip. one is find a great doctor, doctor. choose a chart I think I'd say three is surround yourself with people who are gonna support you who mm-hmm. understand who don't make you feel guilty who don't give you grief for canceling or make you feel bad that, you know, you can't go to whatever event because trust us, we would rather be at a party than in bed. Like if we're in bed, it's not by choice. Mm -hmm. We're not enjoying it. We would rather be celebrating or going to a birthday or doing whatever. Mm -hmm. So just chronic element of chronic illness. Yes, completely. So surround, get your circle of people who are going Mm -hmm. to help you in any way, you know, who make you feel good, who make you feel loved, who don't add stress to your life. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're so lucky that we do have, sorry to interrupt, but we're so lucky we do have that support system, but some people don't. And there are, as we've learned now, amazing support systems online, like your Facebook groups. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be real life people just get, yeah. People who, who comfort you. I mean, so much of this is not feeling alone or isolated. That's yeah, like it, going through health stuff is scary and it's hard. And we don't have, um, uh, you know, I tell people like, I don't have rules of how, like maybe I'm communicating this poorly. I don't know. It's so guess and check. So creating an environment that's comfy is so important. You know, just your own space, your room, just something that's, you feel at ease in. But also like the way that you're living or like 
as you said earlier, about having those home comforts in your hands. Yes, because so much of Absolutely. so much of these aspects are just you know they change day to day, multiple times during the day, and it's even though it happens so frequently, I will still get panicked if I'm having a really bad flare and I'm out or something, or even if I'm home and it, I have a really bad mm-hmm. um, you know attack, it will still panic me. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Even though it's happened so many times, so just creating an environment that's comforting and calm and as stress-free as possible, I would say is so important. I agree completely. Absolutely. Um, And then do you guys ever, I mean, you've definitely obviously had to overhaul your lifestyles, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. But do you ever cheat on those lifestyle changes? Um, And, and what are your like, constantly? Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, I mean, what would be like your guilty pleasures or your comfort activities when you're having a flare up? Like what are the top three? I think for cheating stuff, I think I will say the same as like probably food for for sure. I mean, it's so strict and there are so many foods you can't eat that you're, I mean, your sanity, you can't lose it. You're going to have to, we're going to eat chocolate, you know, we're going to have these things that if we flare, if I get flushed, I know why, but I'm going to, you You have to live your life. So we try to follow it, you know, 90% of the time. And then because anytime we've tried to do something hundred percent of the time, it's just not going to last. It doesn't last. And it's too, it's exhausting sometimes. Yeah. You feel like you can't go out or participate. So we we try to, yeah, definitely. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you can do something 90% of the time and still see great benefits or great results. So I think food is definitely something that we deviate from. You know, we try to stay generally Oh, really low sugar. But if we're out or we're at a, yeah. or we try to be sugar. free, but we're not, yeah. you know, it's not for celiac reasons. It's just for autoimmune uh, yeah. reasons. So we try that, but yeah, we're going to have, if someone's eating pizza, we're out with dinner. We're not going to make the whole group. Like everyone has to order gluten-free for Yeah. Like, we try to live our life. And then, you know, when we're home, try much more strict. Um, yeah. But, so food, um, what else, Kate? I'd say probably, I mean, we try to exercise and we stay on that routine, but yeah there are days where we're like, you just can't, just, yeah. you, just can't you know, it can't stay on that schedule and it's important for pots and it has helped us. So we do, but we definitely do cheat on that. Um, it's hard. Back. It's it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. No matter who you are to have completely. Oh yeah. With your food and, and your exercise and oh. showing up and doing A, B and C, but you know, you do need to live your life as you say. Completely. You're not going to stay motivated. Mm-mm. Or we're not. I don't no, know. Not I work. We're not going to stay motivated if we're doing it every day, all day long. It's going to burn out. We're going to burn out. Yeah. If people can do that, you know, kudos to you. Yeah, I, but that doesn't I work for that. us. Um, you can't do that. Yeah. No, I can't do that. I'm trying yeah. to do things that we really cheat on. I think like diet exercise is the main. And then, I mean, I love caffeine. I drink oh, caffeine. I love coffee. Yeah. You love caffeine's a good one. I mean, yes, it's not great for pots. Sometimes it kind of helps if you're having a migraine or a headache, but you know, it yeah. flushes out your fluids and we're constantly trying to hold yeah. on to fluids. So coffee it's not great, one. but mm-hmm. I love coffee so much. So I definitely indulge. Yeah. Same. You've got to protect your sanity. Yeah. If you love something so much and um, we kind of have a mindset. It's like, okay, you can kind of make anything work. You know, it might have to be a little different than how you envisioned it, but you can, you shouldn't have to lose anything you love in life so much. So maybe we'd be stricter or stricter in something and then yeah. indulge in something. Just different right? modifications or, you know, yeah. I've been off coffee for a while, like for, you know, a couple of years and now I'm back on it a little bit. Cause it's yeah, she's like, been off for years. It's yeah, been, it's, yeah. used to drink. And now, yeah, now I'm back on it. It's not buzzing me as much. So it's just trying to find that balance of sometimes I'm better without it. Sometimes I'm okay with it. You yeah. Know? So just things. Things. Yeah. 
Um, but thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you. I'd like thank to you. continue to follow your journey. And if anyone wants to find you online, where can they find you? Yeah, at tubinghealthy or tubing healthy is our handle on Instagram at, at tubinghealthy.com. Yeah. Our blog um, with T W O. Like yes. the yes. two of us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, Em and Kate, thanks again. And um, I hope you guys will start following along with them and, and check out their health. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so Everyone. much. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.